Hello, church and ministry leaders. Welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, a weekly podcast that offers support to church leaders who want to become better informed, more confident, and more effective in their service to the Lord. We are your hosts, Carrie and Becky Holton. Hi, everyone. How are you, hon? I'm doing good. All right. Let's get right into this podcast episode. What are we wanting to accomplish in this episode today? Well, we want to wrap up our series, Four Ways to Improve the Post-Pandemic Church. Well, at least that's what we're planning (laughs) on doing. We'll see if we can discuss the last two recommendations in the time remaining, but who knows? We may go down a rabbit hole. We may end up going deep into this discussion and have to carry over the series into another week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who knows is right. (laughs) You never know. Sometimes we get into these podcasts and we learn that we had more to say than we thought we had planned to say. (laughs) Well, some people do. Right, some people. (laughs) Well, why don't we begin, honey, by reminding our listeners what brought on this series. Sure. More and more churches, as we know, are coming out of the pandemic, and we're hoping and praying that as they put 2020 in the rear view mirror, they will find themselves even stronger. That's right. And we believe the pandemic may even have given many church leaders the chance to re-examine themselves, yes. to review their mission, their vision, and their strategies for reaching their goals. So this might be a perfect opportunity to reset. Right. And so what we wanted to discuss was four recommendations for improving the post-pandemic church. And we've talked about two of the four that church leaders decide once and for all to become a fully hybrid church, one that is 100% physical and 100% digital, that they commit to this online presence and to online digital strategies for reaching people as well. That's right. And the second suggestion was that church leaders focus on moving people forward in their walk with the Lord rather than simply bringing people back to church. Absolutely. In other words, we suggested that our main concern should not be to get seats in the pews. Rather, it should be to think about how we can move people from one level of spiritual growth to another. So, having reviewed the first two suggestions, let's get right to suggestion number three. I think we better do that if we're going to have time to finish this series today. (laughs) truth on that one. So suggestion number three for improving the post-pandemic church is to focus on becoming a church that embraces others and loves others rather than one that judges others. Now, I think that's interesting. I think we better unpack this suggestion quite a bit more. (laughs) You think? (laughs) A church that embraces rather than a church that judges. What are we thinking about here? Well, let's think about the people that we're trying to reach. Let's think about those in our community that we hope we will meet and that they will eventually come to know Jesus and become his followers. We are saying that we need to embrace them, to love them, not to judge them. Churches that embrace the people they're trying to reach will have a much better future than churches that judge them. So we are asking church leaders to think about how we treat those we hope to reach. Yes. You know, I read a good line from a bulletin article recently that went something like this. It's not word for word, but here is the general idea of the sentence that I thought was so good. Perhaps we in the church should treat one another as dearly loved members of our own family and those outside the church as our friends. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I thought that was a great statement. Can't we love those we are trying to reach as if they are our dear friends? 
and treat them as we would treat dear friends. Can't we love many of them into a saving relationship with Jesus? But too often I think we are guilty of judging them, and on that score, I think it's helpful to remind ourselves that it's not our job to judge them. Our job is to hate sin, but it's God's job to deal with the sinner. It's not our job to hold the gavel. I won't quote the Bible passages that say that very thing, but I'm sure our listeners realize the truth of what we just said. I agree. And, you know, in truth, we are not good enough to judge others. I don't know why we think we can sometimes. And neither do we know enough to judge others. So not only should we leave the judging to God because it's his role, not ours, but we're ill-equipped to even act like we could fill that role. That's right. You know, I wonder how the world really sees us sometimes, the church. I really do wonder that. How do they view those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ? Um, I, I'm thinking of something that Jesus said to the 12. He said, I'll give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you want to check that out, that's in John 13, 34 and 35. So I wonder, do those who don't know Jesus know us by our love? Something to think about. Yes, it is. When they think of the church, when they think of us, when they think of me, do they think, wow, those people really love others? You know, I I really don't know the answer to that, and I'm sure it could be a variety of different answers. I fear, though, that that's not what some of us are known for, love. My guess is that there are plenty of studies that show that in the eyes of many non-Christians that we're known for how deeply we judge, not for how deeply we love. Very well could be. I think the problem in many cases is not that unchurched people don't know any Christians. The problem is that they do, Mm. and they don't like us for good reason. And by the way, speaking of studies, you talked about studies. A Barna study revealed that 62% of those who self-identified as lapsed Christians said the number one quality they look for in a person with whom to discuss faith is non-judgment. Wow. And in that same study, only 34% said they know any Christians who possess this quality. That makes me really sad. I want us to be clear listeners. We're not saying that we should not stand up for what is right and speak out against what is wrong. We absolutely should. We should teach, we should proclaim, and we should advocate for what the Bible says. But what we're saying is is that it's just not our role to judge others. We can leave that in the hands of God. He's capable. You know, it's our role to say and to say clearly and to show what the Bible teaches. So we're distinguishing here between saying what the Bible says and even what the Bible clearly teaches about sin and having a judgmental attitude that pushes people away, having a judgmentalism nature about us right and can't we love people who are in sin and still be people of the book well we better i think so i mean aren't we i mean this is one thing i love about our religious heritage is that we have been a people of the book and i i would say we must be people of the book we must boldly proclaim the word of god and take our stand on what it says but as you say there is no need for us to judge others 
It's not our role to condemn them. Again, our role is to hate sin and teach the Bible, but love the sinner. And by the way, I'm reminded just here of a parable that Jesus taught about the wheat and the tares. The slaves of a certain household discovered that their enemy had sowed bad seed with the good and that the weeds or the tares had grown up with the good wheat. Do you want us to go and gather the weeds, they asked the householder. No, he replied. In gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. That story is found in Matthew chapter 13. Doesn't that parable, honey, teach us that it's just not our place to judge. Absolutely, I think it does, because in the church, there's all of us. There's the wheat and the weeds, and it's just not our place to separate and judge and clear out the church of sinners. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Yeah. In fact, I think, too, we need to remember that the church is a hospital for the sin sick, and we are all sinners. Uh, We're people who because we follow Jesus, we're not in the habit of practicing sin. We try not to sin. We will still sin. But mainly, we've changed our mind towards sin, and we try not to. But the truth is, we are all sinners. I believe that should be our message to the lost world, that no matter your sin, no matter what you've done, if you're looking for God and you want to develop a relationship with him, come and join us. We'll walk alongside each other. We will love you and we will not judge you. Yes. But I, I know that's a really big conversation right there, uh, but hopefully we have said that succinctly and clearly about the damage that judgmental posturing does toward people who are coming to know Jesus. I mean, if you want to push someone away, just just do that. You right, know? right. And we can't throw a halo on that. We'd better move on <laughs> to our last suggestion for improving the church post-pandemic. But what we're trying to say is that church leaders who love the people that they're trying to reach, they're just going to have a much better chance of reaching them than church leaders and churches who judge them. Right. Okay, let's go to recommendation number four, and here it is. Choose to be gospel-driven rather than ideologically driven. That's a mouthful there. It is. I believe that what Kerry Newhoff says about this is spot on. He said that he feels there is a gap that is widening between churches that appear to be driven as much by ideology as by the gospel, meaning that particularly since the crisis hit in 2020, a growing number of church leaders have used their influence to weigh in on everything from politics to partisanship to masks versus no masks to vaccines to Supreme Court nominees, tax policies, immigration, so on and so on. Well, I'll say this. If you scroll through social media today, you'll see you'll see a lot of church leaders and Christians commenting on everything from which party to vote for to tax policy to Supreme Court nominee and the latest national issues of the day. And I think in the long term, my guess is that's probably going to erode their influence with the unchurched. I think it is very possible that Christians have lost much of the influence for good they might have had by, you know, the virulent, often vicious comments on social policies and issues that 
that they sometimes put on social media. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I know it doesn't land well with a lot I've heard as a believer, and I can only imagine how it would land with unbelievers. Yes, and here's my sense. The effective church leaders in the future will weigh in from time to time on critical social issues. Absolutely. Issues that the scriptures engage, issues like justice and helping widows and orphans and helping those who are strangers among us, maybe foreigners among us, and certainly addressing issues regarding morality, moral issues, and the like. But I think what we're saying here is that the primary focus of effective churchlers in the future will be on the gospel of Jesus, and certainly how the gospel of Jesus changes people and society for the better. Absolutely. And Jesus spoke on many of those topics so when you stay on that, then you're speaking gospel, I, I believe. And, you know, I read something recently that I thought was good, and it was this quote. The culture needs an alternative to itself, not an echo of itself. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. You know, we may have a perfect opportunity for the church to simply be the church, the authentic, grace-filled hope-bearing, truthful people that our friends and neighbors need and are looking for. I think we have a great opportunity here, and I'm excited about that. Right. Their greatest need and our greatest need is Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, You know, the story of his death, burial, resurrection, his life, and what he can do for a person. What he taught addresses so many of the issues. Let's let Jesus speak instead of us. Well, that's exactly right. Okay, well, we better move on. Before we close, honey, let's suggest again the four ways the post-pandemic church might improve. Let's, Let's just have a quick review here. Number one, we said decide to become a fully hybrid church. Number two, focus on moving people forward not bringing people back. Mm. Number three, rather than judging people you are trying to reach, embrace and love them. And then finally, number four, be gospel driven rather than ideologically driven. We hope and trust that we have given all of our church leader friends something to think about. I suspect we have. Yes, I hope. And as always, their comments, your comments, questions and feedback are always welcome. Plan to join us next week for a brand new episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast where we try to take the perplexity out of being a church leader. 